Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Marvel Standom. We're here this week talking about Loki Episode 4, and it's the big one, so we're going to get right into it. As usual, I have Denna Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard and Denna Geek TV Editors Katie Burt and Alec Bajalik. Kirsten, why don't you get us right into this one? In Marvel's Loki Episode 4, Loki and Sylvie are captured by the TVA and have to find a way to confront the timekeepers. The timekeepers are probably going to take up a lot of our conversation this week because we had some big revelations about them. We had a big Wizard of Oz moment, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. In this case, they're uh, like Disney specialties. They're animatronic puppets of some kind. They're androids, whether they're artificial intelligences or whether somebody is actually operating them remains to be seen. But we ended up with a decapitated timekeeper robot, which was kind of cool. What does everybody think about this? I think Marvel deserves some credit for creating those animatronic things because at first glance, they really did look like, you know, space lizards um, to the point where I was actually shocked when they were animatronic, although that makes more sense. I think it's just hard to make something that's believably real looking and believably Pirates of the Caribbean like ride looking. Yeah. First of all, I've never actually been to Disney World, but I'm looking forward to the Timekeepers TVA ride. Second of all, I think... A lot of us watching thought that there might be something like this um, at play with the timekeepers. So I'm glad that they got to it sooner rather than later. And to me, the more interesting part of this reveal was how Ravana um, reacted to it. We didn't get to see so much from her, but it seems like either she already knew about this or it didn't shake her commitment to the TVA and the sacred timeline, which I thought was interesting. I was relieved to find out they were androids, honestly. I mean, there was something immediately off about them. And I thought, well, the fans are going to start accusing Marvel of really tightening the purse strings on these shows. If these turn out to be the real deal, it was like a Chuck E. Cheese or something at one point. They have Chuck E. Cheese in the UK? I don't know what Chuck E. Cheese is. We don't have that here, though. I feel like we talked about this a little bit in the past, where, you know, were the timekeepers ever real? You know, were they just kind of a myth dreamed up by whoever created the TVA in the first place? Um, you know, were they real and then they and then they were murdered and replaced? How does everybody stand on this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> like this is this show has done a really good like a good show can really like telegraph things without telegraphing them. So you have generally an idea of where something's going. And Loki could very well be doing that, uh, but I'm just not smart enough to pick on where they're leading right now with this Timekeepers thing. It's a very fascinating way to go about it. I love that it happened, but I genuinely have no idea who is in charge of the TVA at this point. I think the main suspect is Kang the Conqueror at the moment, um, because Ravonna Renslayer in the comics is a known Kang banger. 
and we could possibly be seeing an early reveal of Kang in Loki now that he's already been cast in a future Marvel film, but we'll have to wait and see. I am excited that um, Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country was cast as Kang, especially because B-15 in Loki is played by his co-star, Wunmi Mosaku, who I love, um, who got a lot more to do this episode. And they, there's a good chance they might not see each other, but if Kang did show up in Loki or made some sort of appearance, that would get them a little bit closer. <laughs> I am going to come down on the, uh, on the side of the fact that timekeepers did exist at one point. And this is not because of any actual clues in the comics, because like WandaVision, sure. <laughs> no, seriously, because like WandaVision, this is, you know, Loki, Loki is not giving like the kinds of breadcrumbs that like lead to the tidy answers that you can get by reading the comics, which I think is great. That's one of the best things the MCU has been doing for the last few years is that it's able to surprise people like me. Um, but I love Marvel Comics cosmology. Like I love when they do weird cosmic, you know, indescribable beings like the timekeepers. So I kind of want at least some of that Miss Minutes orientation film to be true. Like, you know, at least some of it, like the seeds of it and the idea that the timekeepers were once real. And then whatever happened to them after that, I'm cool with it. But I'm with Kirsten here. Whatever signs we are getting about who's actually behind this, Kang the Conqueror is the most likely suspect right now. I mean, is the answer maybe right in front of us? Alec, early on, he did suggest that Miss Minutes is behind this in a in a previous episode of Marvel's Standom. Alec, where do you stand now? Do you think that Miss Minutes could still be the clock behind the curtain? I absolutely do. And if you ask me to explain why, I probably couldn't tell you. It's just a gut feeling of from uh, knowing the writers behind the show and their TV background and Rick and Morty background. It just seems to be in line with a weird, unexpected twist at the end like that. Uh, I don't think we've gotten any further evidence to confirm Miss Minutes or rule out Miss Minutes. Uh, but a talking anthropomorphic clock uh, being the ultimate big bad of a TV show seems perfectly rational to me. There you have it, folks. Mr. Minutes himself, Alec Bajal, has spoken. <laughs> That's our show for this week. I'm just kidding. Like, we're not done yet uh, because this does raise even bigger questions. And that is, if the Timekeepers didn't create the TVA and the TVA is clearly powerful enough to have been around for a long time, like whether, we not, whether or not we buy any elements of the official story about the TVA now is irrelevant. Like they've, they've been around for a while. They've been able to build this infrastructure. So if, if not the timekeepers, then who? I'll say this. I like this episode a lot for multi. I think we all do. This is a great episode, right? Let's just get that down on, on the record. Uh, but one of the reasons I like it in particular is I feel like we really have a much better sense of the TVA's role in this story. And it's not as kind of the benevolent timekeepers that we've been led to believe, but they really are seemingly either a mistake or some sort of evil entity. Uh, because as Sylvie tells Loki when she's talking about her origin story, she begins the conversation by saying the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos. 
And it's interesting that she would refer to the universe as a separate entity from the sacred timeline, which kind of intimates that there's some tension there and that maybe the TVA is keeping the universe from being its big, bad universal self. I don't want to get too deep on it, but chaos and chaos magic. Chaos. No. Hmm. <laughs> Who do we know? Go on. Have... Go on. <laughs> I'm just saying. Who do we know that's going to have a multiverse of madness soon? <laughs> sometimes when they use words, they don't. You know, they're not subtext. They're just text. Yeah, there was a lot going on, um, including this conversation at the beginning where it's told to us <laughs> that Loki is has at least has some sort of connection with Sylvie and is maybe falling in love with her, which I am willing to go with. <laughs> and I think is super interesting. I didn't necessarily get that from the last episode. Um, they literally were just like, we're going to tell you what's happening with these two. We're not going to show it to you any more past, you know, this nexus, nexus event moment of connection that allows them to be saved, which I think is a really beautiful metaphor. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you guys felt about, about that, um, that twist. I think you are right. And you have a point that these two literally just spent, I don't know, a couple hours together, <laughs> uh, last week. And now they do seem like, uh, soulmates. I guess it's kind of like speed rules, you know, like if you're trapped on a bus together that, mm -hmm. and you might die and it's a really harrowing situation, then sometimes you're going to fall in love over the course of a few hours. <laughs> The title of the episode is The Nexus Event, and that's something that was established early on in the show, but it has very different, uh, very different connotations here, because as Mobius says, when he's observing that timeline branching from the apocalypse on Lamentus One, he says, this is not the kind of thing that happens when somebody steps on the wrong leaf, and this is happening as, you know, as Loki and Sylvie are, you know, like, kind of gazing into each other's eyes for the first time and like really seeing each other for the first time. And that is pretty intense. And it, you know, love is a nexus event sure beats Loki's love is a dagger metaphor from last week. But what could be so powerful about these two versions of the same being meeting each other that could cause the timeline to branch that you know that that dramatically is love i would argue that uh, mobius's characterization of loki falling for sylvie because he's a raging narcissist is a little bit unfair i mean it's it jives with what we know of loki thus far and it's an excellent dig and it gets it gets the job done in that moment because loki loses his composure and mobius finds out what he wants to know but i don't think narcissism um, creates a nexus event. I think only just the pure, sweetest, most beautiful love in the world can. And that's what I love out of my sci-fi stories. Science fiction should always be in service of the human. And in this case, love, rather than just sci-fi for sci-fi's sake. It's a, it's a construct of the TVA, right? So like to call something a nexus event is not saying that it's wrong. It's saying that the TV, TVA does not approve of it. And it is going to come down to Loki changing as a person mm -hmm. against all, you know, against all obstacles. The man is changing. Mike, you mentioned that last week Loki said that love is a dagger. Do you remember what Sylvie said love is? 
pop quiz. Love is mischief, then. With, you know, with all this talk about Loki potentially falling in love with himself, he is far from the only uh, Loki variant in the multiverse, as we learned early on, and he meets a few others in that wild post credit scene. So there's a few implications here. First of all, if Loki is waking up somewhere else in the multiverse after being, uh, you know, after being pruned there, then, you know, maybe there's hope that Mobius isn't dead. But the real big thing here is a little less conceptual than that. And that's the Lokis who are greeting him when he uh, when he opens his eyes. Uh, with those, there is an unfamiliar Loki who is known, uh, who is identified as boastful Loki. There is Kid Loki, who we will get to momentarily because he has a lot of potential importance for the future of the MCU. And there is Richard E. Grant in classic Loki costumes. So, um, and, there's, and there's alligator Loki, Mike. Oh my God, how could I forget about <laughs> alligator Loki? Can I please Thank ask, you. is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference. And at this point, I'm t I've been too afraid to ask. So I'm putting it on the line now. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? And how can we tell the difference? So for the purposes of this discussion, we're just going to refer to him as uh, reptile Loki, just so that we're not, you know, uh, misidentifying this particular Loki. Reptile Loki is my favorite of the four. I'm just putting that out there. Same. The Where does everybody stand? Who is who is your favorite of the newly revealed variant Lokis? Oh, it's definitely alligator Loki, and I'm co I'm committed to alligator apparently. Okay. <laughs> I think this might end up being unanimous Christy? because obviously it's alligator Loki. I can't let it be unanimous, so I'm gonna go with Richard E. Grant in classic Loki outfit. I I just love to see it. I cheered when I saw him, and I like the idea that maybe we'd heard that he was gonna be in this for a little while, and we immediately went to Icol as a possibility for his character, and you know. We may well be proved right later on, but right now we've got classic Loki and that outfit is just simply delightful. Look, Richard E. Grant is like, it really is perfect casting and that suit looks great. You know, people, I've seen some people reading Den of Geek kind of saying like, look, why do they have to make whenever they try and do the classic suits on any of these shows, why do they go out of their way to make them look ridiculous? To me, they don't look ridiculous. I think they look really cool. And I am totally pro brightly colored spandex in more superhero projects and less, you know, ridiculous body armor and like things that look like they were made out of, you know, like like made out of basketballs, you know? Like that's what <laughs> all these suits look like to me. They look, right? You ever look at a basketball up close? So that's kind of where my head's at. I'm like, yeah, that's just how Loki's supposed to look. I don't know, like, what's this other stuff? In particular, there's Kid Loki, who I think is probably the Loki most likely to stick around beyond the life of this show. Kirsty, what, what can you tell us about Kid Loki? I don't know a lot about Kid Loki, but in the comics, doesn't he join Young Avengers? And we've had some other potential Young Avengers members in WandaVision with Wiccan and Speed. And we've got Kate Bishop coming along. So it mm -hmm. really feels like we're getting somewhere there. If Kid Loki sticks around, we've almost got ourselves a team. Another name I've seen mentioned in the group too is um, Ant-Man's daughter, who's now a teenager. Yes, Cassie Lang. 
every single one of these shows so far has had a Young Avengers component, including Falcon and Winter Soldier, which introduced us to Elijah Bradley. So like a couple of years ago, if you would have told me that Marvel was going to try and put the Young Avengers in the MCU, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. Like there's no room for legacy characters like this. But it's very, very clear now, probably clearer than ever with the arrival of Kid Loki, that that's what they're doing. Another thing worth noting about the post credit scene is that it appears to be not at an apocalyptic event that these variants could hide in, but a post-apocalyptic event. The, this appears to be New York, post-Battle of New York. We think we can see Avengers Tower crumbling in the background. Is it possible that this is some kind of pocket universe where Loki won the Battle of New York? Um, what does anyone think about that? Yes. This would lend considerable credence to a Alex's theory that the multiverse already exists or that the universe wants the multiverse to exist. So I think that is definitely possible. And I think it opens, you know, it opens the door to the idea that these variants haven't really been pruned out of existence. Perhaps they're being sent places where they are just by their very existence, continue to create more timelines. I mean, that's how this is all supposed to work, right? Like every action or non-action uh, creates another branch. So, you know, the TVA's maintenance of the sacred timeline could be purely cosmetic uh, for, for that purpose, you know? Episode four's Easter eggs include... The first mention of vampires in the MCU as we know it, at least as far as I can recall. Um, the Sony Marvel area has got Morbius on the way, but for the general MCU, I'm pretty sure this is the first mention of vampires. And it's hard to forget that we have a Blade reboot coming um, that is going to be a part of phase four as far as we know but if not probably early phase five and this is the first hint that we've had of that finally the same line that gives us that little blade tease also has an eternals connection because you know they in addition to vampires they mentioned tight they mentioned kree who of course everybody's familiar with thanks to captain marvel and agents of shield but they also mentioned titans and we're going to meet the Titans in Eternals. Like, uh, you know, Titans are basically Eternals who are, you know, denizens of, of the moon of Titan, which was Thanos' home world. So this kind of goes back to uh, the larger MCU cosmology that we were talking about with the timekeepers and everything else. So little subtleties of the Eternals in here, too. And that's it for Marvel Standom this week. We'll be back next week with two episodes for Loki Episode 5 and then opening weekend of Black Widow. I'm your host, Mike Cicchini, the God of Self-Sabotage, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for watching Denim Geek Presents Marvel Standom. We'll be back every week with new episodes breaking down all the hottest developments in the MCU. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Denim Geek US, Turn on notifications and you'll be the first to know when our next episode releases. Watch along with us on Twitch at Den of Geek TV. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Den of Geek. Want breaking Marvel news as it happens? Be sure to follow at Marvel Standom on Twitter. We want to hear from you. Got a burning MCU or comics question you need answered? Drop us a line at MarvelStandom at denofgeek.com and we'll answer your questions on future episodes. <laughs>